are you telling me? Are you right ahead? I'll take it over. I get you back the case, I'm telling you. This is ridiculous. I'm my own man. I'll make the right decision. wrestlers in the World Wrestling Federation, maybe in the history of the World Wrestling Federation, are right here, right now. Mr. Perfect and the excellence of execution, the Hitman. WrestleMania weekend isn't complete without the Heartbreak Kid, and he is on his way. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. They think they got the answers. I change the question. You will rest in in Ric Flair, who you're looking at, the man. Nights, what is going on there? The big Beatleites, the Hamenites, all the ites, the left, the right, the Dems, the Repubs, the corrupted politicianites, the corrupted Russianites, the corrupted Ukraineites, the corrupted pedophileites, the corrupted Epsteinites, the corrupted Weinsteinites, all the ites in between. And also, shout outs to the Magnificent Seven, the Elite Eight, the Naughty Nine, the Terrific Ten, the Essential Eleven. You know who you are. And welcome, or welcome. It is the it's the hot days, the hazy hot days of summer. We're knee deep in July. And it is the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast here on the Hameen Media Group at Podbeam.com. And of course, this is a very special Pro Wrestling Spotlight. But before we get into that, before I give you more information about today's spotlight, today's episode, I must introduce myself because I am vain like that. I must introduce myself because, see the you see the Grays Reflection Nice? You see the grays? I gotta lose it. I gotta make a most stupendous uh, introduction of myself. I gotta make a most glorious introduction of myself so I can lose about eight years. So I can be young again. It's my fountain of youth. 
I am the most stupendous one. I am the most charismatic one. I am the most scholarly one. But most importantly, I am the most glorious one. The only objective man in the IWC, YWC, PWC country. The only objective man in this political spectrum. Your friend, the Ch Professor Chabelle Cruz. And I'm not here alone. No, 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 no. I am here with a man. Every time I put the camera on, he does something out of the ordinary. Sometimes he's eating. <laughs> Sometimes he's looking around. But now he's like redecorating while I'm introduced in the goddamn show. <laughs> he is your friend and mine. The conservative liberal. The liberal conservative. Mr. Dum Dum Doing Idiot's own. The Iron Stomach One. Dr. Frankenstein. An interior decorator extraordinaire. The how do you wonder how you doing, my friend? Is the redecorating done? Are you picking? It is. I had to put. I had to put the. I had to put the chase pick. Uh, the chase figure of Cedric Alexander up on the wall with the other chases. Oh, see, see, reflection nice. He decides when I hit record to redecorate. He decides when I hit well, if record. I, if I didn't do it you now, know, I'd never do it. Because look what to, I got. To make the the hall the wall of fame the the Tommy Wonder Hall of Fame look so oh so glorious. Not, a, not to use that pun, but God damn it, TW, you got to remember when I hit record, that means you got to stay silent. You got to oh, stay that made noise. Listen. What? That was making noise? Hell yes, it was. My <laughs> goodness. I didn't hear it. Gee, of course you didn't hear it because you're doing the hot goddamn thing. But anyway, neither here nor there. But how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. How are you today? holding up in Detroit? The hazy hot days of summer oh, in man, July. It's brutal. It is absolutely oh. brutal. And you know what? On top of it, it's rainy. And it's mm -hmm. dreary, and then you get the stupid smoke advisory because Quebec people don't know how to light a fire in the woods. I think mm -hmm. they'd be able to do it. People in Yellowknife can do it. I don't know why the Quebecers can't. But today, I already have one of these in Canada. It just hasn't been brought to me yet. But I found this in the wild today. And anyone that collects figures knows what mm -hmm. that means. It means you found something in the wild that usually isn't there. And it's this. The Razor Ramon Chase Ultimate Edition, which is, mm -hmm. as far as I know, the very first Chase one there is. Everyone else is just, there's one of them. There's some guys have more than one figure, but it's this new figure, right? But okay. this is this version, and the other version is. Dun, 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 dun. So Damn wait, it. is is this is this a, an unboxing? Is this a revealing? What are we doing here? Yes. So this is the regular. Okay. That's the chase. Cool. Yeah. So I, I like I like the one on your on your right hand because of the color schemes of Reza Ramon, the purple schemes. I right. always like those better with that. Purple and gold, Los Rudos. But guess but what then, else but, I got? But you know what? Before you even say what else you got, let's just yeah. talk about Razor Ramon just for a second. Can you hold those up for just one second? Both of them are just a purple. Well, both of them, because we want to do a comparison, because I just want to say one thing, Reflectionites. Razor Ramon's color schemes in the WWF from 1992 to 1996, they were par excellence. Razor Ramon knew how to at least do the color schemes. He had the gold around his neck. He had the gold around his waist. He was oozing machismo. So I just wanted to give credence to Razor Ramon's fashion sense. He was ahead of He also had that green. He had that green and red, I think, or green and purple. Gimmick. Yeah, it was green and gold. Green and gold. I think that was the ugliest colors. But he always he had a Christmas. flair. He had a Christmas. flair for the dramatic. He, he had the flair for the dramatics. But before yeah. I interrupted you, what were you gonna do? What were you gonna? What? Do? We just celebrated somebody's slam anniversary, or you call it what sex anniversary or something like that? Yeah. Anal so, sex anniversary a couple of weeks look ago. Look at this. Twice in less than three weeks. Holy shit, Reflection Nights, a pro Big wrestling crate box. So you Big know what Ray. that means. You know what that means for Big Red. You know what that means for TN Couponer. You know what that means for Donna Destruction, their favorite saver. Even Pastor Travis Bolts blesses that pro wrestling crate box right now for the unboxing, the revealing here on the PWR podcast. That's a Jeff Hardy shirt or is that a towel? It's a shirt. Oh, okay. Shirt I probably won't ever wear. You wait, well, you, you wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you even show the next shirt, you sound disgusted. <laughs> Jeff Hardy's your man. A couple of weeks ago, you was talking about how the Hardy entrance at WrestleMania, 
you had goosebumps on top of goosebumps. I'm not going to goofy ass face on my body as I go around. You look disgustipated. My goodness. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, then the second one's even worse. Why? Will Ospreay. That's not bad. I don't give a shit about that guy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Reflection Nights, I think TW is going to sell this on eBay. So, you know, he's not happy. What the fuck is make it? A profit. Sheeta. Kakaru Sheeta. Is that the, the girl? Eight. Yeah, Ooh. that's the girl. A lanyard. Pro Wrestling T lanyard. Just a regular ass. But actually, it's a wrist one. Good. Because I ain't putting that shit on nothing. I'm going to give that to you in Ferndale. I'd rather have a shirt from them, but it didn't need Now, this is cool. Sadly, I only know who this guy is because of the tragic nature of his accident, his injury. Mm -hmm. Hayabusa, yes. And that's cool to have him to add to my collection. I don't remember who all was on this ship, but I remember there was somebody that I was excited for. So far, I ain't seen him, so it must be the 8 by 10 Well, it ain't Adam Cole, baby. Damn, it ain't him either. This is a bitter man right here. Chavo Guerrero Jr. Certified. One day I'm going to go to one of them card shows. You, you know what would have been funny? You know what would been funny if he had the, the Kerwin White autograph shirt uh, right? photo? You would have la at least laughed at that. So, all things considered, the pin and the thing. I already got an FTR t-shirt. It would have been cool to have one of them as the... Uh, Sam Punk was supposed to be one of the things. That's what's missing. Well, you got hosed. Unless that's next month. Nope. Oh, next mm -hmm. month. What do you hear about next month? Jeff Hardy t-shirt, Goat Will Osprey shirt, Hayabasa microfiber. That's FTR. what you just that's what you just revealed. Dude, it was supposed to be CM Punk. I bet wherever the other card is. Oh, I know where the other card is. Right here. See reflection. So I was hoping to get a CM Punk shirt. That's 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 Dr. Frankenstein right there. He got hit in the head, and he just, he just read the card that he's revealing. Jeff Hardy, FTR, Will Ospreay, Sheeta, Hayabasa, Chavo Guerrero, and especially I stand corrected. Okay. Could have sworn it was something CM Punk, and I was all for a shirt because I want a shirt now. But next month, finally, you talk about long overdue. Okay. Oh, a three by two flag too, and I, this is what I'm hope, definitely hoping for. Shirt. Can you read that? Spoiler alert. Next month's uh, Randy Savage, Scott Hall, Kevin. Well, that's a good one. That's NWO it's right there. NWO bro. black and white. The whole thing is a theme box. Cool. Three foot by two foot flag. That's gonna probably go up here somewhere. Uh huh. Yeah. Buff the stuff, Bischoff, Scotty, Xbox, Savage, Hall and Nash, no Hogan. Well, that's okay. I think you'd rather take the Wolfpack than not the uh, Hollywood uh, NWO Hollywood. Yeah, I like it. I like I, next next month's box. Of course, it'll probably be an Xbox shirt, which whatever. But mm -hmm. I already got a Hall shirt, so it's not gonna be a Hall shirt. Doubt they'll make a Bischoff shirt. Why would they? But who knows? Buff the stuff. Savage shirt, whatever. Before we before we continue on the show, we're, you look disgustipated with the revealing. Are you still disgustipated? Let's just say uh -huh. they no longer are letting you get the discount for buying a year at a time, like you conned uh -huh. me into doing. I'm pretty me? sure I'm, I ain't conned you into anything. I think February my year's up because I got like three or four of them before I did the year. Uh -huh. So I think my first one for the year was. Yeah, this is June. No, because I got a ton of these fuckers. Uh -huh. No, I got my first one in August, then October, September, October. I think I got my uh, one uh, year in like November. Gotcha. But, um, you know, you can't always so my last box. So I still got about four or five boxes left. I think you you can't you can't always be happy with every box, but at least this one you can actually sell off on eBay and probably make a profit. But then I, hear I like the MJF shirt. Did you ever see that one? I've actually worn it out in perfect said, I'm still better than you. I like that one. Mm -hmm. uh, I wore the FTR shirt that says living legend. Cause I thought, even though it says ass, I'm fat. Maybe they think I'm just calling myself two people, but it looks like something I'd wear. Jeff Hardy. I think it's a cool looking shirt, but it's his fucking face. Like this is different. This is Lex, man. This is legends. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but I want you. I want to. I want to see a picture of you with the Will Ospreay shirt. Then hell will freeze over. That's all it is. But anyway, Reflectionites, let's get on with the show. 
because we've already done everything we needed to do. We've already stalled enough, but it is the Pro Wrestling Reflection Pro Wrestling Spotlight, and it's a special spotlight because, you know, it's been a while since we did, did this theme, Reflectionites. We are going to do Greatest Babyface Turns, and I know TW always loves this these kind of episodes or these kind of spotlights, per se, because, again, the debut episode that we did when it was the greatest heel turn was Barry Windham joining the Four Horsemen. And what made it so unique and what made it still one of the best heel turns out there, you didn't see it coming. Now, for this episode of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, greatest babyface turns, we're going to flip the script. And TW, please flex with the Lex Luger t-shirt for all the uh, reflectionites that are seeing this on the video. So we're going to let the cat out the bag. We are going to do a babyface turn, Lex Luger quitting the Four Horsemen. So the thing about this one, Reflectionites, is I'm not going to say that this is a babyface turn that you didn't see coming. The, the little Easter eggs were right there. But before anything, before we give you the logistics, TW, let's just go with why it had to be done. We're not going to say, well, I didn't see this coming a mile away. We'll, we'll talk about what we saw with the, with the video. We, we'll, we'll talk about what we saw in the bunkhouse brawl. But we're I want to talk to you like a fan. We're, we're fans. We're at the bar. We're drinking. We're drinking some Bud Lights and all that stuff. Don't give me that face. But anyway, Lex Luger. There was a reason for Lex Luger that had to become babyface at a critical time in 1987. Because Lex Luger was in his mid-20s. It was apropos. Lex Luger had the body that can uh, compete with Hulk Hogan. Could he become as big as Hulk Hogan? Who knows? But Jim Crockett had a vision. The American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, had a vision. So that vision is to look at, at Lex Luger, who got the, uh, the most incredible rub out there. No, no homo, but he got the most incredible rub <laughs> by aligning himself with Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, and James J. Dillon, the Four Horsemen. T.W., you cannot get a better rub than that. And to boot, you cannot get a hotter angle than when you turn babyface to go to war with the Four Horsemen. So let's say you about the, you know, the business end of Lex Luger turning babyface. This is 87? Yes. And Sting got hurt in 88. No, no. Sting got hurt in 90. When he when he tore his patella on the, on the cage? Mm-hmm. So a year and a half after that, because he turns in July, right, Luger? Wait, wait. Now, now, you, now you're, going, you're going in a very witch way. Where are you going? So Starcade 86 is when Lex loses the U.S. title to a Dusty. 87. It November is 87. of 87. Yes. Oh yeah, you said ninety. I'm, You're asking about Sting. I'm giving so, you no, no, Sting. no. So Lex <laughs> turns baby in summer of '88. No, December of '87. So a whole another year later, he turns, or is it right after the chair? To who? When Dusty DDTs him on the chair, they, he turns that's right after no, that. That's that's Starcade '87. Then the wheels will turn. I'll give you the logistics. I'm I thought you said they carried it out for like, and he turned at the bash. It started at the bash. No, 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 no. Here, obviously. see, reflection nights. <laughs> this is this, this is, is why the guy I told didn't you. have cable in '87. No, no, no. This is what I talked about. We're in the bar. He's already drinking. He already has eight Bud Lights. I have probably two, and I'm still coherent. He's drunk out of his mind. I'll give I, you the logistics now. We're gonna start with the East Eggs reflection nights. It is November of 1987. Luger is already aligning himself with the Four Horsemen. He is the United States heavyweight champion. He's already one step below Ric Flair. So you can see the seeds are planted because, again, the formula for the Four Horsemen Reflectionites is Ric Flair is the ultimate leader, and you got to protect Flair as the heavyweight champion. Lex Luger is young, arrogant, braggadocious. He's, you know, he's dressing fine. He's got the women on his side, but he has the U.S. heavyweight title. He knows he's destined for something greater, but he's a team player. He understands his role, so to speak. Now, when he wins the U.S. title at the bash of 1987, T.W., are you with me? Are you writing this down? So he won at the bash. Right. July 87 against Nikita Koloff. 
The move that that TW keeps talking about is the chair. J.J. Dillon brings the chair into the cage, and Lex Luger uses it and becomes the U.S. Heavyweight Champion in July of 1987. Now we we fast forward a little bit to November of 1987. Starcade, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, who is you know he he puts his career on the line, so to speak. He must win the U.S. title or he is going to be gone from NWA for 90 days. That was the uh, logistics there. But then the same spot happens. It's deja vu all over again. J.J. Dillon brings the chair into play. But Dusty Rhodes, you know, is a step faster than Lex Luger, uses it to his advantage and becomes the new United States heavyweight champion. Be there with me, T.W.? Yes. Okay. Now, since I gave you that. Here's where the seeds start planting. Lex Luger, you know how we how they do with the WCW Saturday nights. You got to have those interviews. So there is a dejected Lex Luger, but still a confident Lex Luger. He says certain things that kind of irk the four horsemen. He says certain things or, or some things were said about him that irk him. The four horsemen's grand master plan came into fruition, but someone came up a step slow. So Lex Luger took offense to that. But then Luger counters that by saying, I knew the game plan was all wrong from the jump. So that irks the four horsemen. There's your East egg right there. So TW, I'll go to, let's now go back to the question before I give you more logistics. Now, again, I said, business-wise, we understand where Lex Luger is. He is associated with the Four Horsemen, the top heel group in the business, so to speak, in the NWA, drawing the most money, putting the most asses in seats. Jim Crockett and American Dream Dusty Rhodes, of course, sees dollar signs if you turn them a couple of months, a couple of weeks later, and then have these programs. And of course, later on, it comes into fruition for Great American Bash 88, where Luger challenges Flair for the title. But I'm not going there. I gave you a little bit of the logistics, but we'll get to that point. But I'm asking you now, since you sobered up a little bit after the eight red lights, <laughs> what say you about the business end of turning Lex Luger babyface for all the reasons? Well, th- the reason I was trying to ask about when Sting got hurt was because they needed him then, right? They they needed him mm-hmm. because Sting went down. Sting was babyface numero uno, right? But not you not have, in '87. That's why I'm no, just I know trying not to tell you. '87 in '90. Um, right. In 1990, and then I think Luger had already dabbled in going heel again and yeah. went good guy to save Sting in that 1990 thing. So mm-hmm. there was this other, I mean, there, there's three guys in this business who are known for being a revolving door of good guy, bad guy. They are Lex Luger, they are Randy Orton, they are the big show. Like to the point where people just stopped cheering for him because they just were waiting for him to turn bad guy again. I think Randy's mm-hmm. the only one that's shaking it off, right? But right. Uh, Luger... Basically, Dusty's getting a little long in the tooth. Nikita is, God bless him, but he's still the Russian, and they need a white meat, white meat, baby face American guy, basically to replace Dusty. So it's a smart move. It's a younger Dusty. It's Lex has charisma. Wasn't the great talker, but he wasn't Rick Martel on that one video we watched. Or mm-hmm. uh, who was the other guy that I said was very close? Brickhouse Brown, maybe. But uh, no, the snowman. He, snowman oh boy uh so lex it was time it was time to hold i told you this last week that the most organic way to being popular is to be hated first because Mm -hmm. the reason people hate you a lot of the times when you're a lex luger or rick flair is they know that you have the skills to win without cheating but you disgust them because you cheat so all you got to do is stop cheating and win on your own merit, which is what Lex said in one of those promos. He says, look, I, from now on, JJ, you can come down here with me. We're boys, but I don't want you putting your hands in the ring. I want you to stay out of it. And and those were cool promos because they almost look like shoots because JJ just stopped and goes, oh, oh, you know what? Hold on. We're going to end this interview right now because me and him got to go talk about something, which, by the way, I've seen happen in real life because people mm-hmm. – we're botching a promo and someone's just like, all right, let's cut this short. And then you come back out later when you straighten him out and he comes out and says the right stuff. But mm-hmm. it was very well done. Uh, and and there's a there's an, even an interview with Luger by himself where it looks like an almost like a Lawrence Taylor ESPN interview where he's talking about his drug use. Like it's just mm-hmm. real like 
like somber and like you know i fucked up you know that's that's basically Mm -hmm. the gist of it but this it's it's it was business wise and lex's career wise he was born to be a baby face whether he wanted to be or not when you get older and heal and there's the next new hot thing you can go ahead and back to being a bad guy and an arrogant one at that but he was born to be a baby face even in wwe when he was a narcissist it was just a matter of time before he was going to at least be attempted to be groomed to be the next hogan Mm-hmm. Well, again, we can't deny in 87, he had the body. He he was tanned. He had the flow. Well, it's not flowing blonde, but it was dirty blonde, you could say, yeah. in, in, in a, to a degree. Dishwater had, blonde. I can't. And you said you and I agreed that the promos were a little bit, you know, hit and hit or miss. Right. But at least it was it's passable. It's it came up as real because it looked like he was struggling for the words, right? But that's what yeah. it was. He's struggling for the words. No, but, but I'm his, talking his, about even, his at, even as a, and everything. He delivered right, even, it well. Even as a heel, like I said, he looked cocky. He was cocky. He was arrogant. He was braggadocious. He just knew his shit didn't stink. So that's why right. it kind of that people gravitate. Not only people gravitated because he was with the four horsemen. He was already a made man. But people would listen to Lex Luger. So now. We could go into after the, the Easter eggs. So we talked about Dusty Rhodes winning the U.S. heavyweight title. We could we had to talk about these promos because there was one promo that kind of started it all before Lex Luger and J.J. Dillon in the parking lot reflection. And I'm going to give you one of those promos right now. WCW Saturday night. A couple of weeks, you could say, is the weekend after Starcade 87 or maybe two weeks after. All four horsemen were there. Now, visually, T.W., you see Flair with the, the gold around his shoulders. You see Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, the brain busters, with the gold around their shoulders. They're holding see, They're holding them. You see J.J. Dillon with that pompous attitude, that snarky smile and all that stuff. But way in the background, you can see Lex Luger, he's happy for the team, but he knows he's come up short. He knows that he... It's one of it's that Sesame Street song. One of these things is doing his <laughs> own thing. Now it's time to play our game. He doesn't want to be that answer, so he looks out of place. And you can and in that interview, Reflection Nights, I think it was Ric Flair that took a dig at at Lex Luger, and Lex Luger did this, gave the look of surprise. He was surprised. Right. Gave a look of disdain. T.W. So, again, the difference is when we did the debut heel episode of the spotlight with Barry Windham, you never saw it coming. And they gave you the Easter eggs after the after the fact right. you're seeing the Easter eggs play out on TV. This is why I said this is this foreshadowing. Me, it's for, not only it's foreshadowing, but again, for the viewer, I like this better. A little bit better than the than the Barry Windham thing because we didn't see this play out on TV. We're seeing it play out. And if you're a very attuned hardcore fan, if you're a very attuned NWA fan, you're looking at that and saying, oh, shit, it's just a matter of time. So now you're more intrigued, but yet more excited to see where we're going. What say UTW about that? But there's a reason why the two are the way they are, because you 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 want to gauge the audience to see how they're reacting to Lex doing that. So. Kind of like modern thing is, is Jungle Boy just turned heel, right? He mm-hmm. threw little hints out there, and the crowd was booing him. So it was they were picking up on it, and then he turned heel, right? But mm-hmm. with with this, you got sometimes they'll gauge it, and if people just don't give a shit, then they're just gonna keep him a horseman. He's not gonna turn baby because no one cares. But he starts getting cheered a little bit here and there, and when he starts saying the things he says in the promos people cheer so when he finally does what he does to basically turn on the horseman the crowd pops for it because they've been waiting for it they're like all right like you said they're like hey 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 whereas barry windham it hurts way more when you never Mm -hmm. saw it coming because you know what happens if you saw it coming it's a split audience like hogan warrior hogan warrior didn't turn on hogan he just challenged him to the match and so Half the people were Team Hogan, half were Team uh, Warrior. If if Wyndham turned on Luger because he had a reason to, half the people would have sided with Wyndham saying, fuck, he had every right to, to be mad at Lex, right? So mm-hmm. by having him just straight up betray him, 
It's boo. And then Wyndham gives his reasons why he did it. And people don't care because you already let us down. So both mm-hmm. of them were masterfully done. I I like both. I think. I, no, no, I, I agree. I like both. I'm just saying that for the viewer, it's better to see yeah. some things play out on TV. Again, we don't need to compare. I'm just saying for, I'll just listen no, to the but I'm just saying, one's a heel turn, one's a face turn. The face turn, you want the mm-hmm. Easter egg because you want people to start getting excited for it. And then when it finally happens, it's no different than be it Jay Uso or Sami Zayn, where you see that eventually these fuckers are fighting Roman. And then when they finally mm-hmm. do, it's just banana. People mm-hmm. love it because they're like, yeah, I knew it. And there's going to be a bunch of people going, I called it. I called mm-hmm. it. I called it. No one can say that about Wyndham because the shit was out of left field. And mm-hmm. and he did what I always hate. He beat up Tully and Arn in a match where he turned on him. And it makes no sense to me. Like, I like the heel turns like Hogan Warrior or Hogan Orndorff. But Orndorff never tagged in. He never fought Bud Bundy and Stud. When he finally tagged in, he turned on Hogan. That's the shit I like where you're like, wow. Like he left him out to the wolves from, from the bell, from the opening bell. Whereas Wyndham, they almost did it like the turn where, like we just saw recently, Ricochet and and uh, Nakamura, where one of them is holding the other and they miss, and then he hits that guy and they get mad at each other for that. But mm-hmm. Wyndham's was just like, fuck you, buddy. And I've hated yeah. you ever since you turned on me. But again, like I said, I like Wyndham's because you never saw it coming. But right. this one, the it's Easter beautiful. eggs, is just Easter. as intriguing. And then we got to at least talk again. I just want to now, because I wanted to give the logistics. I Again, reflectionize. I gave TW the talking, the bar talk, but he was already drunk. That's why he went sideways on it. So now we're giving you the chronological logistics. We got to talk about another Easter egg because this is more poignant because, like you said, TW, it looked more real. It looked like a shoot. Works you because, you know, this the great thing about Southern wrestling is they're very committed to the promo. They're very committed to the characters that they play. So in the parking lot, Luger, you know, gives kudos, Reflectionites, to the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. He says, I never felt the, the environment, the electricity, all that stuff. He's actually praising Dusty Rhodes, which kind of irks James J. Dillon. You don't give praises to Dusty Rhodes. That's your most hated enemy. There's a reason for that. You don't admit that you respect your enemy. You got to play, you know, you got to keep that to the close to the vessel. That's a rule of the four horsemen. So already Lex Luger is breaking a carnal rule about the respect. The only one that could say something like that, TW, and we already know the rule, is Ric Flair. Only Ric Flair could say, I respect somebody that's challenging me. Everybody else has got to fall in line. So already Lex Luger is breaking that carnal rule. Now he says the one thing that irks J.J. Dillon even more. We're friends. We're business associates. You can come down and, and accompany me to my matches. But right now, from here on in, we do it my way. No more cheating. No more shortcuts. If I'm going to win, it's by my own merit. So that's already that's already irking James. Plus what he said before that. Mm-hmm. J.J. Dillon tried to end the interview and he said, hey. This interview ends when I say it ends, not you. And then chastise them for that. Let me let me ask you a question here. Now, this is a little bit of nitpicking reflection. So don't get me wrong. I still love this promo. But TW, what what would have been the effect for Lex Luger to say what he said if it was at the Atlanta Center Stage Studio, if David Crockett or Tony Schiavone was doing the interview, right? And Flair. Arn and Tully was right there when Luger said the same shit. They would have been beat up. They would have turned on him right there. So then you need you you needed that parking lot more than doing it with all the four horsemen there to be like the vultures to get after its prey. That's right. what I'm saying, right? Right. But let's look say, what happens when he finally does what he does. It's mm-hmm. there's there's no hesitation. Okay, so so you needed to at least fan the flames, if you will. You needed to, you know, I guess buy a ticket to see what happens when they're all in the ring. So reflection. Okay, go ahead. You're left to wonder, ooh, what do those guys think about this? So you got to tune in to find out. Like you said, buy a ticket, come to the Mm -hmm. show, watch it on Saturday night, whatever. Now you're intrigued to see what those guys' reaction is going to be. That was the one thing I could not find, TW, and reflection. I admit, I, I don't remember and I can't recall 
if they did another Saturday night segment where it was just the three of them with JJ and not Luger, maybe Luger was doing Hollywood uh, auditions or he was, you know, maybe that the air, you know, the, the flight was delayed or whatever, or the flight was canceled and he couldn't make it to Atlanta. And then you had the other three there, you know, they never made, I never saw video of them taking pot shots after the fact. So now let's get into the peace day resistance. It was a bunkhouse brawl in December of 1987 Reflection Nights. And, of course, it's a come-as-you-are battle royal. Luger looked gay with what he was wearing, but that's just me. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's funny. It's the bunkhouse brawl and about, let's say it's a 20-man bunkhouse brawl, TW. About half of the guys are wearing blue jeans, cowboy boots. And a white and, shirt. And a white shirt. It's very, that, that's almost the uniform. Lex Luger looks like he's coming from Blink Fitness with a fucking tight-ass, you know, black, you know, football pants, whatever, football pants, and of course, you know, and a weightlifting belt. And of course, there was one other participant with the Four Horsemen. It was actually Luger in his, you know, uh, gay-ass Blink Fitness outfit. It was the Brain Busters looking like cowboys with their blue jeans and T-shirts. Tully Blanchard wasn't in in a white T-shirt. He was in a black T-shirt, neither here nor there. They had the cowboy boots, but lo and behold, there was one other person in this bunkhouse brawl, and it wasn't Ric Flair Reflection Nights. It was James J. Dillon, and he was dressed as, as the most refined person in the ring. He was in a suit, but he took off the blazer. He had his, you know, nice white collared shirt, but he was bleeding his ass off. Now, lo and behold, the bunkhouse brawl goes on, and of course, when you're a faction TW, the biggest uh, advantage is you are working as a unit. You you know you do as vultures. You go after one person. You wouldn't have out. an advantage in AEW because there's 72 factions. So just be like. But you work as a t- you work as a unit. <laughs> yes. You work as a unit and you take out one after another after another. At the end of the at the end of the day, there was four people in the ring, and it was Lex Luger, James J. Dillon. And the Brain Busters, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. Now the fans are befuddled because, of course, there was a there was a collective unit, so so to speak. But TW, did you notice one person looking a little bit despondent, looking a little he, bit angry? I'll tell you what confused me at first is the was guy that? that Luger throws out to make the final four. Those four, I mm-hmm. thought was Tully. And I don't know if it was the Italian Stallion. I don't know who the it was. Hell it I was. think it was Ricky. It was either Italian Stallion or Ricky Santana. Ricky Santana. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Yep, they got the same build. So it was one of them too. And mm-hmm. uh, so I'm like, what the hell? Did he throw Tully out? Now he's looking at a JJ. And then all of a sudden they back the camera out, and you see all four of them, and they all start celebrating because JJ no. thinks he's winning. Right. Except three of them. Three of them celebrated, and one of them just looked despondent and looked like, okay, this I don't like the way this looks right now. Right. It was actually kind of weird because let's talk about before we say what happens, the results. Look at look at the crowd. If you were sitting there and you bought a ticket, what he'd if leave. you he'd, he'd leave? leave? <laughs> like, what the you be you, you be pissed? Yeah, like oh damn, the four horsemen win, they're gonna split the prize money, they're gonna do whatever. There should have been I think this goes to the Easter eggs. I think people were like, well, what's Lex going to do? That's the intriguing part. Mm-hmm. Because if there wasn't any heat in the horsemen and this, those were the final three, the ring would have been littered by, like the NWO night. They would have been throwing shit in the ring. Like, what the fuck? All four mm-hmm. of them made it? You know? Right. So now Tony Schiavone tells James J. Dillon that they cannot split the money and they need to have a universal bunkhouse winner because that's the rules because they go on to the finals of the bunkhouse stampede in 1988 reflection again that's the logistics so now james j Dillon has a light bulb flash he looks at his fellow horseman brethren tw and he asks he didn't demand so this is again like a, a an intriguing easter egg he's begging arn anderson he's begging tully blanchard and of course he he kind of not is begging to lex luger but you know you know what i'm saying He's begging them, I never want a bunkhouse brawl. It would be a dream of mine to at least put my name in the record books. Can I have this just one time? And when you, when I heard that as a fan, as a 10-year-old, I was like, you know what? I hate the Four Horsemen, but I want, and just to be funny, I want to see James J. Dillon win this shit because it would be a funny-ass shit. I actually was rooting for the Horsemen to do that. 
Arn Anderson gives the high five. No problem, boss. Says, does it takes himself. Take, takes a powder. He takes one for the team. Tully Blanchard high fives JJ. And of course, that, there's a history. Tully Blanchard and Enterprises. That's James J. Dillon. That's Tully Blanchard. It's funny that Tully Blanchard was second, not first. But that's he was first. I didn't no, want to correct you, but he was first. He, was he went over this way, and then Arn went over that way, and then they both. Okay, okay, okay. I, I think Arn was first, but it, maybe my, maybe my Bud Lights are kicking in, but neither here nor there. But anyway, so you say you're the they, only one drinking Bud Light. Yes, they they both were for the team. They both were for the cause. But now, lo and behold, the fans are percolating, and they see something different in the ring. And uh, and again, as a fan reflectionites, if you watch NWA Saturday Night, you're looking at Luger. He is not as jovial. He is not as, you know, cocky. he's not as he's not as cocky. Yeah, he, he's but he's not as forthcoming. He's not as agreeable to the situation that JJ Dillon is at hand right now. So now look what happens, Reflectionites, because this is very intriguing. And this is because what's say? Because Art Anderson is now turning himself from his teammate to now being, let's say, a mentor or let's say that coach and is ordering. Lex Luger, you get out. It shouldn't be. It should not. You should not have to think about this. What's ATW about how the relationship changed as business associates? And now you look at and now he's treating him like an underling, in my humble opinion. Until Lex addressed it. Then he went, are you telling me to or are you asking me to? And then I went, oh, yeah, just come on. Just jump over. Just jump over. But at first he was like, what are you doing? Because he was on that far side. And then he ran around to get the microphone to tell him to do it. And that's when Lex said what he said. And then he jumped mm -hmm. down. And then that's when history was made right then and there. Because guess who is in the record book for winning a bunkhouse mm -hmm. battle royal? Well, to not spoil it, reflection, I should wink, wink. But the 12, I already know. You better have known this shit for, for years. <laughs> but anyway, again, like I said, it's, it's very intriguing the way that the relationship changed. In a blink of an eye, again, like I said, they all looked at each other as business associates. And then Luger looked into, you know how New Japan has that term, young lion? Or, you you know, you treat somebody like scum. Yikes. Tajin, Yigen, something. No, that's Gaijin, but that's not that's a different, that's a different that's term. A but, the, the, but the young lion gets abused. But again, like I said, it in a span of 90 seconds, he went from that. And it just, and then Luger looks pissed. He's like, are you asking me or are you telling me? Because then Arn Anderson got a little bit frustrated with Luger and his entitlement, his wokeisms. Like you, you're supposed to do what is good for the four horsemen. So now JJ Dillon Reflectionites is catering to Lex's ego, but also he's begging him. He, he's, you know, now Luger is kind of like laughing with JJ Dillon, and JJ is now looking at it like, oh, okay, now Luger is falling into the program. I'm going to get my name in the record books. And then Luger, it looks like he's going to hug him, but no, he didn't. He throws him over the top. That was one of the ugliest ways to throw over the top because, of course, J.J. Dillon's in his 50s, and he can't take a bump like he used to. And, of course, remember, a couple of months prior to that, he had a broken neck because of Road Warrior Hawk after the war games. But, again, logistics. But Lex Luger wins the bunkhouse brawl. Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard are pissed off, and TW, you take it over from there. Well, this is what I like, actually, because for one, when he throws JJ over, it's a legit elimination, right? Mm -hmm. The other two eliminate themselves. Tully comes running in, and Lex immediately takes him and throws him over the other way, which makes it another legal oh, he, elimination. He, pre he presses yeah, him. Press slam, mm -hmm. Yeah, and then he gives Arn the power slam. And puts him in the torture rack, which I thought he was throwing him over too, so they can't claim we were never eliminated. And mm -hmm. then, then they whacked him with the chair, and then just beat the shit out of him. But, but the crowd popped for Lex doing that to JJ Dillon. It's it's part what I said last week. All you got to do is be hated enough that anyone that gives you your comeuppance is going to get cheered. But it's also because they saw it coming, like you said. The more the more foreshadowing it did. The more anticipation people had for it, the more people wanted it. They wanted to see Lex turn on the horseman because it meant two things. One, the horsemen lose something. And two, mm -hmm. they get this guy that they can rally behind that can be their hero, right? Like, he, right. this is fucking He-Man in wrestling tights without the mm -hmm. fucking straps. But uh, it, it just, it worked. 
let me ask you a question. Again, we have to at least nitpick it. Let's say we, we change the metaverse or we change the multiverse here. Would it have been better or or you just liked it the way it was if Ric Flair maybe came out in his three-piece suit? You know how, like, in the NWA, people came out in their suit. You know, the wrestlers weren't dressed to wrestle. They were dressed like businessmen and all that stuff. What if Ric Flair ran down the, uh, the, the aisle and joined in on the attack of Lex Luger? Would it have been better, worse, or you just— Worse. This, worse. I, I like that he didn't because I like the promo he did after. Okay. On the, the, the WCW Saturday night. That it did two things. It mm-hmm. showed you where Ric Flair stood. He was furious. Mm-hmm. He said nice things about Lex, but then said, I've never been with a woman, and she's ever asked me, Rick, how much can you bench press? And I was <laughs> like, Woo! Like he was like, it doesn't matter. And so it elevated Lex to basically public enemy number one, number one contender. It put him on top. He cut the line and, and he went right to the top because of uh, Flair's promo. If Flair mm-hmm. would have came out and beat him up, it would have been just another day at the office where three horsemen are beating up, unfortunately, the fourth guy. But mm-hmm. it would have been the same old, same old. But for him to save it, A, gave you a reason to watch Saturday night, see what Rick had to say. And B, right. you want to see what, what Lex's rebuttal would be. Right. So again, reflection. There's really nothing more to that because this is, now let's just analyze this from the babyface turns that it goes. You know, we can kind of like project the future, so to speak. Because again, this all leads to July 1988, Great American Bash 1988, where Lex Luger gets the opportunity to become the world heavyweight champion. Now, TW, like you said, when you saw the. Um, Let's say the promos of WCW Saturday night, because again, this what this is why Saturday nights was made for fighting, not <laughs> by Ellen John, but because of WCW Saturday Night Reflection. I said, and it's not a dig at AEW Collision. I watched it. I enjoy myself. But again, there's a difference, CW. You just harped on it more more eloquently. The Four Horsemen did a promo after the fact, after Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard and JJ Dillon did what they did to Lex Luger. So now the after effects, let's not talk about the promo, but let's look at it from a grander scale. I want to do this a little bit differently because now Luger betrayed his his friends to get into the full horseman. So I have to backtrack a little bit. So in case you did remember or didn't remember, Luger betrayed Barry Windham. He betrayed all his friends from Florida, championship wrestling from Florida. They all warned him not to join the full horseman. But Lex Luger was actually honest with a lot of people. He said, my goal is to join the four horsemen and I'm going to do whatever it takes to be in that group. He became an alternate. Then they kicked out Ole Anderson and then he was a full fledged member. But now we fast forward to this bunkhouse brawl TW. So I want to look at it from this angle angle, because again, you're a fan. We're watching this. but We also have to like say, we have to be realistic. Luger made a deal with the devil. And then, you know, sometimes you got to get punished for the choices you make. So it took a while before somebody, you know, trusted Lex Luger enough. You know what I mean? So he had right. to fight. He he knew that he was going to have to fight Ric Flair. He knew he was going to have to fight Arn Anderson, Kelly Blanchett, and J.D. Dillon alone because he knew he was not going to have allies. Very few and far came into it, but it came at a later cost, you could say. Because the first two men that came, let's say, to Luger's aid, First was Ole Anderson because the enemy, the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend because they had a common interest of foes, and that was the four horsemen. And then the second person that came to, to Lex Luger's side or forgave him was Barry Windham. So we don't have to go into that the logistics. But he had to get punished, let's say. If Lex Luger was gonna fight Arn Anderson, you know, one-on-one at the Omni TW, you had to expect beatdowns after the fact. But you had also expected Nobody's going to save. There's not going to be like the Dusty Roads or the Road Wars to come to his aid. It was going to be the jobbers because, you know, that's what they're paid for. What's the ATW about that? You have to be you have to keep it real to the moment because you, you couldn't you, have friends. You have to because it makes every it's not that the, that it would make him look better or worse to not have someone help him because you understood why no one helped him. People are still upset with him. He even mm-hmm. said that in the promo, like, you know what? We all make mistakes and we got to live with. And I made one. I turned my back on friends. If they come save him, it looks they look gullible. They look like 
They didn't mm-hmm. learn from it. So I love that they did the slow burn of we don't trust you yet, man. You you turned your back on us. You got to prove it just because you're fighting them. But that's, you know, we knew that was going to happen all along because all of you guys are evil. It was just a matter of time before the egos imploded, right? So, mm-hmm. and that was the whole dynamic with Lex is Flair was holding him back. I mean, that there, we didn't even talk about that, how even before all that stuff. The floor is yours, turn. TW. What, what did you no, see no, out I'm of these saying, mm-hmm. Lex, like you, you, you mentioned it where you said he was the heir apparent, but it wasn't his time. And mm-hmm. When Lex even remotely would talk like that, Flair's like, not now, kid, or whatever. Like, there was always a, like, not yet, not yet to him. Uh, the big, the bigger brother, little brother kind of relationship, yes. you could say. Like, mm-hmm. This is Ric Flair time. And and then you're going to be U.S. champion. I, I vaguely remember a promo where Lex was talking about being world champion one day, and Flair's like, nah, motherfucker, I'm, you're going to be U.S. champ, whatever. And uh mm-hmm. That was probably the build-up to him fighting Nikita. It's funny, now that we're talking about this, this is almost like the last few weeks of the bloodline where, Jay, you're going to be the next guy, but we got you a shot at the U.S. title against Austin Theory tonight to prove it. You know, it's mm-hmm. almost like history repeating itself, and most people aren't going to catch the similarities. But um, Well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it sells back then, it could sell in 2023. That's all I'm just saying. Reflection. Go ahead. The, only, the only thing I would say if people did come to his aid is because like I said earlier, I don't know if I said it while we were recording, but I said it to you at least before. The beautiful thing about this is he turned on them. The modern day version would be Edge was a bad guy and got turned on by the, his other bad guys, therefore making him a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's kind of weak because if if I'm a fan, I'd be like, bitch, the only reason you're coming to us is because they turned on you. You got nobody, right? Whereas mm-hmm. Lex actually was like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, you're okay, fuck you, fuck you. And then he beat them all up. Like, Lex did it. And mm-hmm. so I could see where someone's like, all right, you came to your senses, which is basically what Barry Windham did. Like, you know what? I forgive you. You've been out here p- taking your lumps, paying your dues. This isn't a setup. Because that's the other thing. On TV, you could think Luger's setting somebody up, and as soon as everyone becomes his buddy, bam, he's back in the horseman because he was sabotaging Dusty to get the belt back or Barry to stop him from getting Ric Flair's belt. And But they, they did the opposite. Barry mm-hmm. was the one sandbagging Lex. And it was it was very, very well done, man. I, I miss those days, man. Those, mm-hmm. those were the absolute days. And again, I've been on record a million and 42 times my favorite four horsemen is the Lex Four Horsemen. My second favorite is is Barry Tully Arn, and then Barry Sid Arn and Flair is my full, third. The rest yeah. can a- all anything suck it. anything with Sid after that. I don't I don't right. actually like the the Four Horsemen's of the nineties. The right. best ones is Ole Lex and Barry because that you don't like Sid either. No, I don't like Sid. I don't like Paul Romo. I can tolerate Pillman and Benoit, but the beauty of the of the let's say the dynasty, if you will, the Patriot dynasty was from eighty five to eighty eight. That's it. I can't, I, you know, I, I can like celebrate Sid, the nostalgia. I like Sid and Barry. Sid and Barry look like a couple of monsters in there with Arn and Flair. Eh, but again, I think so. Basically, former- you don't like him without Tully. So you're coming to your senses that he is the greatest world television champion of all times. Tully. No, Arn Anderson is the greatest world television champion of all Tully. time. You, Tully, because you Arn. don't even like the versions that still have Arn in it. You only like the versions that have. I, I like Tully. Arn. I like Flair because yeah, that's but the, you that's only the like foundation. the versions with Tully in it. There's but plenty of, course, of versions with Arn and Flair. But, but Tully's Tully the man. The, Just admit Tully it. The, Tully Blanchard. If this had nameplates. It would say Tully Blanchard on it right here. The greatest world television champion. He's the firecracker. Ever. I love Tully Blanchard in the Four Horsemen. That was the dynamic. Everybody had a place there. So, again, but 85 to 88, that was the best thing. So now, TW, let's put a bow on this because, again, there's nothing left. Because logistically after this, again, like you said, it took a couple of people to say, okay, we have a common enemy. I don't know if I can trust you fully, but I'll give you a chance. Barry Windham was one, and, and again, they won the NWA Tag Team titles. And, of course, Ole Anderson was another one. And they, they kind of did that, that little programs against Arn Anderson and against Ric Flair in the cages. But that wasn't on Saturday nights. That was on hard shows. But the Omni was packing when, th- when th- those four combustible a- acts were in that cage. So that, that was beautiful stuff. But everything was being set up for July 88. And the funny thing is, TW, if you really think about it, 
the one of the greatest babyface turns and then one of the greatest heel turns happened in the span of wait, December, January, February, March, April. In the span of five months. That is great storytelling from Dusty Rose. Yeah, and it intertwined, interconnected, and all that stuff because again. Reflection as I don't need to harp on it because just go back to the pro wrestling spotlight greatest heel turns. Barry Windham joins the four horsemen. Ric Flair said at the end of 1987, my goal for the next member of the four horsemen was going to be Barry Windham. That was the only Easter egg you ever knew, and you saw it on TV. So, TW, what say you about five months? Some great ass storytelling just to get to July, the bash, where mm -hmm. they made the ultimate mistake in not giving Lex Luger the win that he deserved. Yeah, but Lex went from U.S. champ to tag champ. I don't know if he ever won the TV title. And if he did, it wasn't. That, that, was, a, that, was, that was in the 90s. That was in the 90s. Yeah, the shitty belt, that horrible-looking-ass mm -hmm. TV title that even Austin couldn't make look good. I have it right here. It's right up there. Mm -hmm. But uh, greatest world television champion ever, Tully. Greatest U.S. heavyweight champion, Lex Luger. Also, Barry and Lex as tag team champions. I asked, you a, I asked you a question. Now you're going on a tangent. I'm telling you, it was all there. He was U.S. champ, and he's tag champ. It was turns and turns everywhere. It was five months of pure awesomeness. And I was mad as fuck when Barry turned on him. Like, what? You finally mm -hmm. got him back? Because by 88, I'm watching the clashes and all that shit. Um, mm -hmm. Absolutely bummed me out when Barry turned on him. And, you know, And like I said, I never, ever thought, well... You know what? It's good for the goose. It's good for the ganda. But uh -huh. but also the best part of uh, the heel part for, for Barry is what makes it even more worse, more worse, uh, even worse, is uh -huh. he's the one telling Lex not to do it. Lex does it, realizes the error of his mistakes, gives Barry credit for saying don't assign align with those guys. I'm sorry, bro. And Barry's like, yeah, motherfucker. Oh, by the way, I'm I'm gonna fucking hang out with him now. And 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 Barry, by the way, bar none, especially the Tully version of Barry and the Horseman. This is the best Barry Wyndham there ever was. The Widowmaker had potential because it was basically the same guy, but he was in WWE by himself. Mm -hmm. But I think he had health problems when he was being the Widowmaker, and then he had to to get out of there. But no, it was Barry, just money. It was just money. No, it no, was money. So yeah. that look, that look from Barry, that that attitude of Barry, when he started talking about the suits and the women, it was like watching a boy become a man. It was like he was this mm -hmm. wide-eyed, naive child who wanted to do good, and then finally he's like, "Fuck it," he gave in to the devil, and it is absolutely. I have a figure of him there. I have a figure of him over there. It is the best version of Barry Windham, in my opinion. Better than his U.S. Express stuff. Better than his, even with Lex. I love Lex and Barry as a team. But mm -hmm. Barry as a horseman is, <laughs> Lex is always going to be my best favorite version of the horseman because it's how I found Lex, right? Look, look at it this way, TW. And I think you might agree with this because of Dusty Rhodes booking acumen right now. He needed to create young stars to get to the next level. Yeah. And you had the four horsemen that gave you the ultimate rub. So out of the five months, you created a top baby face. Uh, again, it, logistically, you know, in the backs, you created your top baby face, like you said, with Lex Luger going against the four horsemen. But yet you created another young star with Barry Windham who needed an edge, who needed. He was missing something, even though he had the pedigree of, of hanging with Dusty Rose. But he didn't feel like his own man, like you said. And he needed to join the horseman. And now you got two young studs that were supposed to, you know, take the NWA or WCW, whatever we want to call it, into the 90s. And we don't need to go into the politics reflection. And along came, oh, and he fucking stole the show. From right. Where? So, you know, UW, greatest mm -hmm. promotion ever. Yeah. So, you know, let's put a bow on this, TW. I like this again. The Easter eggs were there. For me, again, the five month story of the, the baby face turn and the heel turn, one, you kind of saw, you, you had the Easter eggs being shown to you. And as a fan, you're getting giddy. The other one just was a slap to the face, like, God damn, I didn't never saw this coming. And you was invested in both ways. So you put a bow on it and let's close this out. Would, would that be around the time when Dusty Rhodes and Sting and everyone started embracing Lex after Barry turned on him? Because it's almost like, when Lex turned on them. No, I, no, it was 
when Barry embraced him first, because I don't think everybody else did. Then right. once Barry set, gave the seal of approval, like the Goodfellas, he's a friend of ours. Then Dusty came. Then Nikita came. Then Sting came. Then uh, what you but I mean, Dr. I mean, Death when, when, But right around the time when, when Barry turns, those guys are all full in on Lex. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not doubting him. They're, they're his buddy. Right. Because it almost comes across as once he turned on uh, the horseman, it's like he had this his own personal black rain cloud over his head. Like just one mm-hmm. bad thing after another happened to him. And then finally, all right, people are like, all right, motherfucker, we'll be mm-hmm. your friend because you kind of need one right now. And so it was just it was beautiful. I can't remember. It was Sting. The Sting come out and save him when Barry turned on him. Like Sting was one of the ones that came out and scared him off to like leave Lex alone when they were beating him up. Or did they just leave? Nobody, nobody saved Lex Luger. He he got beat up, and then they just left, and then then okay. thing came out and like consoled Lex Luger. But, right. You know. But I mean, mm-hmm. someone came out there to help him up. Is what yeah. I mean. Mm-hmm. I don't mean fought off the horseman. Right. Barry. That's when Barry started. Yeah. Sting, Nikita, Doctor Death did it, and then of course the Midnight Rider at the end got his ass beat by the horseman and all that shit. But neither here nor there. So TW, it was a great spotlight. It was a great you know babyface turns. This is why I love these theme spotlights, Reflectionites, because, again, we can focus on one thing, and, and it just makes our childhood. We just celebrated our childhood. Just, just, it's so glorious to celebrate our childhood. But anyway. That here, damn right belt right there wasn't nailed to the thing. I would have been wearing that on my shoulder right there. It's the greatest U.S. champ ever, Lex Luger, just so you know. I'm, never, I'm not disputing that. Lex Luger is the greatest U.S. champion, and Arn Anderson is the and greatest. And Tully's the greatest world no. champion whoo, ever. And with that being said, we close on another Spotlight Edition, the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, greatest babyface turns here at the Hami Media Group at Podbean.com. So, TW, why don't you give out those, those socials so we can get out of here? I don't know what we're going to do next week, Reflectionites. We might go to the movies again. We might do a what if. I haven't done a what if in a while. We might do episodics. We might do rivalries again. I don't know if we're going to do another Spotlight. I think I kind of went overboard on spotlight so i might have to do the <laughs> other subjects but tw give out those socials and i'll keep you on your toes reflection i'll keep you on your the toes pro wrestling coalition network sponsors us at pwc network at podbean.com hami media group at podbean.com as well as hmg at channelattitude.com our twitter la, 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 la. our twitter handle is at pw reflection uh then you got Big Ray. You can't find him anywhere if you don't type in at Big Ray Hernandez. And if you type that in, you'll find him everywhere. That's all I need to say about that. Can't do any of this without Big Ray. Uh, TW, got a, TW got a hot heart emoji on his grinder because of yeah, because yeah. Of Rick, two Rick of them because so. Ray has special favors on there. He can do two hearts. The rest of us can only do one. But uh, mm-hmm. at Tommy Wonder <laughs> nineteen is my Instagram as well as one of my Twitches where I get the gloves off and get dirty in there. And then at the Tommy Wonder is TikTok and my nice guy Twitter. Snapchat is number wonder, Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. And of course, Big Vito and Noel can be found at bigvitobrand.wixsite.com, patreon.com backslash the Big Vito brand. And you can watch the early release of the reflection video at twitch.tv backslash the Big Vito brand. And you can watch me, well, not watch me, but you can tweet me <laughs> at <And> OnlyFans. <laughs> I, I think I should put OnlyFans, but then I'm, you know, with the Borat string kini or man. Yeah, you know my, you know how many dudes would pay me? I don't give, a, I don't give a damn. You Look know. how many dudes get it for free. You might as well make some money. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Anyway, but you see, do you know what you disagree to? I, hey, money. It's all about bucks it's not, twenty bucks. I know. Yeah, twenty bucks a month is twenty bucks a month. I do it. I don't <laughs> give a fuck. But anyway, whoa, you, whoa, it's a family show. But anyway. Again, it's the Bud Lights. But anyway, you can you can follow me on my Twitter it's at a serum. I don't know. No, it's not a true serum. This ain't Wonder Woman. <laughs> but anyway, you can you can tweet me at pwhustle prof. That's pwhustleprof. If this gets uploaded by A Track Brown, that slow motherfucker, this will be on the PWSO YouTube networks. Follow my brothers in arms, Billy Ray Valentine, the host of the Wednesday Lock Room at Ob One. You know me and. The king of the reactions, 8-Track Brown at the number 8, T-R-A-C, Brown. And again, next week, I don't know what we're going to do, but it's going to be either What If, Greatest Robberies, or an Episodic, because I have to go into that direction, because we already did, we already killed the spotlight uh, train too much right now. But anyway, neither here nor there. But with that being said, I'm the professor, 
That's my partner in crime, the man wearing the Lex Luger Legends shirt, Mr. Dum Dum Doodle, Dum Dum Doodle, Dum Dum Doodle, and it's own Mr. Dr. Freakenstein, Mr. Wonderful D. Tommy Wonder saying good night, and we'll see you next time here at the PWR Podcast at Hami Media Group at Powerbeam.com. Give me a flex, Lex. Peace. Show the guns. Show the guns. Beautiful, beautiful. They, they used to be good. See, that, that's only fans right there, Reflection. <laughs>